One of the biggest things that I think I've had to learn is that like there's so much power in the relationships that you build, not only with your clients, but with other copywriters, other entrepreneurs and and learning from them and, and leveraging that because there's just so much leverage in relationships that are outside of like purely monetary transaction. Hello and welcome to Million Dollar Memos. I'm your host, Peter Visser, and you have just entered the weirdest marketing podcast on the internet because we'll be exploring how we use these simple 325-word daily memos to generate over $2 million per year in sales and blow up high-ticket calendars for our clients without using scarcity funnels or anything tricky or weird. I'll be joined from time to time by other founding members like Linus Rylander, Frankie Frenner, and Zach Van Nikark, aka The Memo Men. Let's go. Right. So welcome anybody listening to this. So my business makes $170,000 to $200,000 per month. Now, after costs and profits uh, share with my business partner, I earn about the same amount as Linus and his copywriting partner, Frankie. But Linus works just 30 to 45 minutes per day. And he doesn't have to manage a team of 10 people like me. He doesn't have to worry about media buying payroll and high ticket sales calls like I do. And I thought I was some kind of genius by building a high ticket business. So it turns out he has the best gig of the lot. (laughs) And now I know because I hired him as a copywriter, he's unfireable. I can't fire him even if I wanted to, even if he like spits on my baby, calls my wife a whore, like I can't fire him because my business would fail. And he lives in Thailand and is constantly on the beach partying at these crazy festivals. He DJs at the weekend. So I just had to get him on today's episode and ask him how the hell he did it. How did he make me pay him so much money, become unfireable, and only work 30 minutes per day as a copywriter? It drives me crazy. And because I thought all copyrights were stressed out and struggling. So it turned out I was the actual fool. So welcome, Linus. We also have Zach and Frankie on here to have a chat, grill him, and just kind of find out what the hell is going on here. <laughs> Linus, take the stage. So I started out in affiliate marketing and like SEO. It was, I guess that's how most people got started back then, which is like 2008-ish. It was all the rage, you know, there was bum marketing and all this stuff trying to rank affiliate pages in Google and easy articles and a lot of article marketing. That's where I so I started writing on the internet. So I did that for about two years when I was 16. So I was 14 at the time. Then I was when I was 16, I found John Carlton's kick-ass copywriting secrets of a marketing rebel. And that just totally changed everything for me. It was like, it was like this whole kind of world just opened up. It's like, oh, so like this is what you know making sales on the internet is really about. Like these are the skills that really matter. Like it really opened the possibility for me if like, oh, if I, if I really master this skill set, then, you know, I'll, I'll have security for the rest of my life. I'll never have to get a real job because these are skills that will always be in demand kind of thing. So I just went Mm -hmm. head first into the, into the rabbit hole. And this was about the same time that me and Frankie started working together. I was, I was 16 and you were how old? I don't want to say it because then they're going to date me. You know, I look pretty young on the camera. Yeah, okay. So maybe, you know, we just leave it blank. I was, I was 16 too, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So still 16, by the way. Um, well, yeah, so there was a couple of things, a couple of things that happened at that time, which started to kind of affect how I was thinking. One of them was, uh, I remember reading, 
I think Perry Marshall's newsletter. Mm. And he was talking about, you know, being a consultant. And the thing that he said that kind of stuck with me was, you know, the, the only way to become a true wizard is to have your finger in many pies. So, and I was really attracted to this idea of kind of mastery. Like I want to get, if I'm going to do something, I want to do it properly. Right. So that's kind of when I decided I want to be a consultant and work with clients and, and stuff like this. So got my first client that same year. I'd, I'd finished ninth grade and I, I got my first copywriting client over the summer before I started the equivalent to high school, basically. I did like one or two jobs that summer. And when I started high school, I was just, I had like, I don't know, like $3,000 in my PayPal account, which is fuckloads when you're 16. Yeah. And then I'm sitting in class eight hours a day, just what the hell am I doing here? I could be working on my business. So I, I dropped out after about two months. And then... You went to high school for two, two months? Yeah. <laughs> I went to high school for a day. Yeah, yeah. We both both high school dropouts. So me and Linus actually had like this pact, right? So not this pact. It wasn't an official pact. I wouldn't say that, but it, it was like kind of like an understanding, right? So blood pact. It was a blood pact. A sealed blood with pact. blood. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, my end of this story is that basically me and Linus's lives have been like working in parallel up until we were both 16. I wasn't 16, but we're going to just for the sake of story, we were both 16. Yeah. So I was, I was also doing affiliate marketing, but I was doing like black hat stuff. It was, I don't even know if I should talk about it on this call. It's so black hat. I'm still wanted in three to four countries, maybe who knows, but <laughs> well, thank goodness no one's going to see this, right? Okay, perfect. So I could talk about it. So basically I was running this like illegal farm of like, like watching TV online. Like, so basically like I was ripping like illegally shows and movies and stuff. Guys, this is all like for the sake of the story. This didn't really happen. <laughs> so I was running this like illegal farm of of like illegal like streaming sites and i was like 16 years old and i was making good freaking money at the time for a 16 17 year old whatever the heck i was and uh, linus was working in parallel he was doing his own thing and then so i'm making money we're talking about it and then i don't know how the subject came up we were just like man we should just like quit school and like do this stuff like full time and this started just like working in my head because i never wanted a boss in my life I, i like since i was a kid i always decided like I never want to work a job. Like I, I remember telling my parents, my parents were like, you need to go to school. Like I come from like a old school, like Italian family, like immigrants, like school is everything to them. Like they really wanted me to succeed. And I was really good academically, but I just didn't like it. So then I started to like do this online stuff in the hopes of like me making it big. And I remember, and this is all to get to the point and I'm gonna like Linus continue, but I remember sitting down on the first day of the equivalent of the 10th grade, or ninth grade or 10th grade. And before, and she was taking attendance, the teacher. And before they called my name, they were going in alphabetical order. I took my bag and before she called my name, I just stormed out of the class on the first day of school of homeroom. Uh, and I never went back ever again. <laughs> yeah. And I never went back ever again. And I figured I, wow. I'll burn all my bridges. Like I'm going to just go into this with my illegal farming, <laughs> my illegal farm of streaming online stuff. And I'm just going to make it big. Man, was I stupid. It worked out. <laughs> so I have, a, I have a question on this. Yeah. Especially like Linus, when you, when you said that you went out and you, and you found clients, because that's a different skill set, right? You've got the skill set of copywriting and you said you wanted to get mastery of that and you wanted to learn it mm. and then lots of people become good at things it doesn't mean they end up making money from it right so i mean i i think i think to to be a more pinpointed question like where did the the newglies come from to get up and actually go and find a client and speak to someone and offer your services what what was that bridge like kind of shifting over from learning to copyright and then and then i think you know you know looking back like there's been lots of times when we've you know struggled to get clients in the past but 
when I really think back, it might have been one of the easiest times in the beginning, which is funny to say because you didn't have all this mental baggage of, you know, all the times we'd failed and and all of this stuff. So you have this kind of youthful enthusiasm and you just want to go out and write. You just want to go out and do shit. And you have this kind of enthusiasm to it. You're like, you don't care how much you get paid. You just want to get your first client. And I think that, first of all, that will show through to people who, who are thinking of hiring you. But also, like at that time, like even even John Carlton talks about this, like every freelancer needs to have their like dirty whore face, you know, when you just take any job that comes to you and that's how you get good. So my first, I don't know about you, Frankie, but my first client that I got was uh, this guy from Australia. He was selling a laser hair comb to help your hair grow back. And I wrote a little sales page for that. I got like $800. That was my first paid one. Before that, I I wrote somebody else's affiliate page for like a supplement, like a bodybuilding supplement or something. It was like a, a fake review or some shit like that that I wrote for free just to get uh, a review on a forum. Like I was advertising my copywriting service on a forum. That's how I got my first client. So all things I wouldn't do today, but you know, at, at that time you just, when you're in the beginning, you just do anything you can. There's nothing really stopping you from just going out and, and talking to everybody and, and just trying to get that first client. And then, you know, once you get paid one time, it just changes everything. You realize like, shit, I can do this. But then, and maybe we'll get to that, there's also been times that I've kind of shot myself in the foot. You know, people like eager to hire me, but I think I'm too good for the job or something like, like once you have a, a kind of a few wins under your belt, then you start building up the ego and the pride and you think like you're worth more than that. Or you, you feel this kind of entitlement to be respected and to be paid what you're worth and all of this kind of garbage, which really, mm. I mean, there's something to be said for that. There's something to, to be said for, you know, having good positioning and, and all of this. But I think a lot of times it's also used as an excuse because you don't want to work, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I was watching, have you guys seen Money Heist, the uh, show on Netflix? Yeah, not, I haven't finished it, but I've seen like three or four seasons. Yeah. So I kind of got hooked into it, but so it's, it's these, these guys that, that go and they take over, you know, the federal reserve in Spain and they try and steal like millions of dollars worth of gold. Right. But, but there's, they did, they did this crazy plan that they came up with. And in the final season, there's this scene between like the two masterminds and their two brothers, I think. And they come together and they start speaking about this mastermind. Uh, well, one guy wants, wants to like do this crazy plan. And the older brother says, you know, you're stupid, you're dumb, you know, you're going to lose your life doing this. Like, like it's, it's so risky. It's insane. And then his brother turned, they're older. They're like 40, 40, 50 years old within, you know, depicted here. And he turns around to him and he says, the beauty is in the immaturity. You know, when you're young and you're immature, you do reckless things that give you amazing results, Right. But when you get older, you get scared and, and you're paralyzed by this fear of something going wrong. And it was just a small little excerpt from it, but it, 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 it struck home to me. And then when you said that, it kind of reminded me of it. So I thought I'd share it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's 100%, dude. I can definitely relate yeah, I, to that. I think we were lucky wow. in that regard that we started off so young. Like, I, I think it's because we're willing to just throw everything at the wall. Like you know, whatever, like we didn't give a shit. Like we didn't have a reputation. We're fucking 16. Who cares? You know, whatever. I remember one of my first jobs was, was writing a sales letter for like a cigar 
a new cigar out of some godforsaken part of the world. Like they shouldn't be making cigars. <laughs> I don't know how the hell. I don't know how the hell. Never heard of this cigar company ever again, by the way. The guy stiffed me on that freaking. The guy stiffed me on that project, by the way. That was like one of my. And didn't even get I didn't get paid. paid. Yeah. yeah, I remember telling Linus, like, what do I do? And he's like, I don't know, man. Just <laughs> let the money go. <laughs> like, what, what was I going to do? I was 16. Like, <laughs> It reminds me of that story you told me about Gary Halpert, where he wears that hat saying "clients yeah. suck." You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, clients suck, but like, so do copywriters. Like, everybody sucks. <laughs> like, I, I think it's because, yeah. like, I, I think one of the the biggest problems I think that, that copywriters face is that they make the client the enemy. It's like it's like ingrained in all of us, especially like with the with the old heads, like John Carlton and Gary Halpert. You hear like. It's good stories, right? It's like good stories because now they can talk about how, you know, the, the client situation was shit and, and how everything fell apart. But, like, I feel like that's one of the biggest, I think, like roadblocks for copywriters is that they have this. The, yeah. thing, the, thing, to, the, the thing to remember about the Gary Halbert story. So Gary Halbert ran some of the very first, like, big marketing seminars where it was, like, $7,000 back in the 80s or something like something that would be like $30,000, $40,000 today, like ridiculous sums of money, fills out the room, all like very wealthy business owners in the room. He walks on stage in a Hawaiian shirt and flip-flops and a hat that says client sucks. And he he needed clients. And that, that was like 100% just a posturing thing just to be this kind of character. Like he knew exactly what he was doing. But, and everybody wants to be Gary Halbert and they think that's an awesome story. But like... You're, you're probably not Gary Halbert if you're listening to this. You're probably not already recognized as one of the greatest copywriters who ever lived. So, like, that's a totally appropriate thing for him to do, but probably not for everyone. Like, you got to be aware of... Yeah, and, and not only that, but if you really know Gary Halbert, you know that it, he wouldn't be Gary Halbert without the clients. Like, that's, ha- mm-hmm. that's half <laughs> right. the story. Like, if you know the Gary Halbert story, like, he became a legend because of the clients that he worked with and what he was able to do with them. Like... And I think that's one of the biggest problems, I think, with, like, the copywriting space is that we, we really make an antagonist out of the clients. But, like, Peter, you were a client. You're a client, technically, of ours. And we love you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, doesn't have, it doesn't have to be a, a, a protagonist-antagonist right. story is what I'm saying. So, yeah. But, yeah, I am a client. But I also, at one point, let you guys go. You did. You remember that? Yeah, I'll actually get to that. I'll get to that. That's kind of a part, <laughs> I'm still part sour of the story. Right, by the way, I'm uh, glad we were able to talk this out because now, I'm, you know what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So just to kind of put um, put that into context further, it's like around the time we were starting, we were both like my parents' business had gone bankrupt. The bank had taken our house; it foreclosed on our house, and we moved out into this village. Like we were really struggling with money. Like that year, especially when I was 16, like every single month, I remember that year, we didn't know how we were going to make rent next month. We had fixed expenses of, you know, more than a thousand dollars a month, or maybe fifteen hundred dollars a month. No way. It would have been a lot more than that. Whatever. We just had tons of debt, uh, a lot of expenses, and no fixed income to support the family. So it was like a really tough year. And and yeah, that's the year I started copywriting. So yeah, that was another motivation. Like, let's get some clients so I can you know help out my parents. That's a lot of pressure, man. Yeah. I mean... You're 16, 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And you're worried about your parents' debt. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting times. I remember I, w- I would go for like two-hour walks, like li- literally listening to, to Gary Halbert seminars, like walking my dog. Yeah. So this, so this was going to be like your savior. This is the thing that was going to save you and your family. You know? I mean, what, what, what happened after that? 
Yeah, and it's also like I've kind of turned away from the traditional path in life of going to school and all of this, right? So I, I had no other path in front of me. We were living like an hour outside the city in a village of 500 people. I had no friends there. I didn't know anyone except my parents and my dogs. And, you know, you're living amongst a bunch of farmers anyway. Like, So it was basically just me, just me in front of my computer trying to build my business. I had nothing else to do. Dude, where, where did this inspiration come from, man? Like. Like if you're in a place with 500 people, right? Surrounded by a bunch of farmers. Because like my general philosophy is birds of a feather flock together, right? It's like you generally are who you hang out with. Mm. And then, but it sounds to me like, like you broke completely away from what everyone else around you was doing, right? That is true, yeah. And, and that in itself isn't easy as well. Yeah. Like, that's not easy, <laughs> mm. you know? I think because I was all, I was, I was just, I, I mean, I was reading from a very, very early age. I got on the internet from a very early age. I got this idea of, you know, becoming, a, making money on the internet when I was 13. So it just kind of opened up my eyes to what could be possible for my life. And yeah, on, on some level also, I always felt that, you know, I, I didn't belong where I was, like, Back in Sweden, for example, like it, I, I, I knew from a very early age that I would probably move outside of Sweden at some point. Like I always felt like I didn't, I wasn't really at home there with the Swedish kind of culture, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, so where did that come from? I don't know. Like I think I feel like it was always there. Hmm. You know? Yeah, that kind of thing is that kind of thing is 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 is, is odd, isn't it? Like what the what gives you that burning desire to succeed? And so it probably, that's probably the same thing that allows you to take so much shit. Yeah. <laughs> Just go through so much shit. Like in Shawshank Redemption, where the guy crawls through a mile of crap in order to get to the other side, like, you know, and you've done that. Like as a copywriter, you too have crawled through so much shit in order to get to where you are right now, where you're working, let's say for your biggest paycheck, you're working like 30 minutes a day. I'd say. So 15 minutes, if you were to include the weekend things that you do, you do them during the week, obviously, but like maybe 45 minutes a day. So I don't know about you crawling through the shit. <laughs> like in, and that's the lesson, right? Yeah. So there, yeah, exactly. So the first, I guess the first thing we noticed with the copywriting business. So even after kind of getting through that dirty whore phase and getting paid, $800, $1,500, maybe, maybe like, I think $2,500 was like the high end of, of what I ever got for a project in maybe the first year or two. The years that are a little blurry looking back, but, but yeah, it, even kind of getting past that phase where you, you're starting to get some confidence, like you've seen some results of your copy, like, you know, you can, your copy actually can generate sales. Like you're, you're starting to feel good about it. Okay. So what's the next step? Like you kind of have this idea of what you've been told from the copywriting books, what you've been told from all the copywriting gurus that, you know, if you just get good enough at writing copy, you know what Gary Halbert says, he's like, you can drop me off in a field anywhere in the world, like take, take everything I own, take the clothes off my back. And I know I'm going to be okay. Cause I know how to write a sales letter that's going to make me rich. And you know what the whole Russell Brunson thing now is like, you're, you're just one funnel away. That was a Gary Halbert thing. 
that was your, your only one sales letter away. That's how that started. And uh, Russell just totally stole it. <laughs> but uh, admit it too. Yeah, for I mean, sure. it works. <laughs> for sure. It worked. Yeah. The, prob- the problem with that, so, so it's like copywriters kind of get this idea that, oh, if only I get good enough, then, you know, because this is such a high demand skill set that everybody's going to come knock down my door. But uh, that's not necessarily true because a lot of other copywriters have also been told this. And yeah, so we were just kind of on this. It, it was really a roller coaster of a time because even once you start getting the higher paying projects, okay, let's say everything that happened that you ever dreamed of as a copywriter, you're finally closing, you know, $10,000 projects or like you maybe you get a funnel project where you write a sales letter and you know the autoresponder and all of this stuff and maybe you get ten thousand dollars and maybe even get some royalties if you're super lucky which is harder to get than most copywriters realize they've all been sold a dream of fee plus royalty but yeah let's say you finally close that ten thousand dollar or fifteen thousand dollar funnel project and then it's like okay now what now now you're back to square one next month you got to do it all over again you know, so even if you reach that goal, it's like you're still on the roller coaster. Yeah, I, I would I would contend mm. that I would contend that it's the worst when you get those ten thousand dollar projects. You want to know why? Because now you got something to compare it to next <laughs> month. <laughs> That's the worst, right? Like if you've been if you've been used to shit, right? If you've been used to shit for the last six months, hey, you know what's another month of shit? But now when you hit the pay dirt, man, you got that ten thousand dollar check. You're calling your wife up, baby. Put the red panties on. I'm ready. We got that ten thousand dollar check. <laughs> you know, we're, we're all we're, we're gonna be living high on the hog. You know, and then and then as soon as you get that check, you deposit, it and then you're like, holy hell, I gotta do this again. <laughs> like, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. You know, so sometimes it's even worse when you yeah. get that ten thousand dollar project because now you know what it feels like to hold that money in your hand, get that project, and a lot of the times you've been slogging it out. Like there was a long sales process. They grilled you. They asked you for references. They, you know, they asked for your, they asked for your click through rates. Who knows what they've been asking you, right? You got to work all the way through that. Finally, you close the, 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 you close the number, right? That you wanted and now you're sweating, but it's like celebration. And then you realize, holy crap, I got to do this again next month. It, it, it's, it's like completely demoralizing. <laughs> yeah. Well, plus you have to deal with that client and, and, and write the copy, rewrite it. This is like, dude, when I, when I first met Pete, you know, and you start getting Michelin star restaurants and we spoke about the fact that it just destroyed every restaurant for him. Right. Because, you know, once you taste the Michelin star and it's kind of like that, you get, you get 10,000, 15,000 bucks in and it's like, man, I can get used to this. And the next month, you know, 400 bucks. And you're like, damn, you know, <laughs> yeah, the next month you got to write a, a sales right. order for some cigar company <laughs> for a thousand dollars. You're not going to be happy about it. It's just not going to work out for you. So like, I think that's one thing. It's like sometimes the success becomes almost part of your failure. And, and, and that's hmm. like one of the worst feelings in the world. It's like one of the worst feelings and we've been there and we've really been there and uh, multiple <laughs> times. <laughs> so like, I, I, and I think, and I think a lot of copywriters go through that. It's like, it's like this, this really this feast or famine. And even if you're feasting, you're still, you're still scared of what's going to happen next because nothing's really secured. So like, it's, it's something that I think most copywriters go through for sure. Yeah. So, so that's what we were doing for, I would say about 
four years or so. So my like 16 to 20 was literally me in my mom's basement trying to build my business. Then when I was 20, I moved here to Thailand, which is a whole other story that I'm not going to go into exactly. But that kind of made it real, you know, like, oh shit, I have to actually make money so I can pay rent and buy my own food, you know? So now really that lack of consistency was becoming more of an urgent pain point. And yeah, it was just, it was just killing me. It was killing us. So what we actually decided to do, so this is when the story takes a turn. Can you hear the dog howling? <laughs> no, let me know. Okay. Yeah, I hear him. I can, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can. That's pretty okay. Pretty sad, actually. That's horrible to hear. Yeah. The dog that you guys hear is totally like one of the cutest dogs ever, so don't mind him. Yeah, one sec, because he, he's going to keep howling. He's going to let him in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know what Linus was going to say, but yeah, that, that was definitely one of the, the hardest times, especially since when he moved out, because then I knew that he was, he was in Thailand, right? There he is. There's the guy. Gus makes an appearance on the podcast. This is unexpected news. <laughs> this is Gustavo, everyone. Oh, look at that thing, man. That is just, like, so cute. Gustavo the Great. Yeah. <laughs> What's his name? So what did you say? Stavro? Gustavo. 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 Or Gus. Oh, Gustavo. Nice. Looks like a Gustavo. So, okay, back to the story. What? <laughs> so what we did right around the time that I moved here was we fucking just gave up. And we decided to start a local Facebook ads agency because that was all the rage at the time. Everybody was starting local agencies. So, I mean, the idea for that was, okay, we can we can build a marketing campaign once. And let's say we have a campaign that works for, you know, a, a dentist in Texas, then then we have a proven marketing asset. So now we can take it to a dentist in New York and, you know, say, look at the results we got. Do you want to do the same thing? So, I mean, we were basically willing to do anything at that point just to get some like recurring income and have some sense of stability. Yeah. One of our first clients, actually, that's a very interesting story. I don't know if we have time to talk about it, but you remember Dr. What was his name? The dentist. Like the Dr. Zweig? Dr. Zweig. He's like one of, he's a really renowned dentist. He was like one of our first yeah. PPC clients. He worked in Beverly Hills, worked on, I don't know who, I don't want to get sued by Madonna because I told her, I told people she got veneers, but basically he was, he was, he was a high, he was a, he was a high paid dentist in Beverly Hills. I don't know why the hell he hired us. We were terrible, but for some reason I sold him on the phone. I'll never forget. And at one point everything had collapsed on us. Like our copywriting clients went down the drain. The agency wasn't working as well as we, we wanted it to. The, and this was like in the early stages of the agency. And we had no more clients. And Linus was in Thailand. I'll never forget this in my life. It's like, it's, I, I, I kind of get the shivers thinking about it now. So he had been on, I don't know how many months, but he, maybe like three, four months, Linus, something like that. He had been with us. He was paying us like a retainer of like twelve fifty or something like that US per month to run his ads plus ad spend. And things were just like not working out. I don't know what was going on. So then he calls us one day and, this, and we were like down to him. Like that, he was our last client. Like we were depending on that money. Yeah, we, yeah, only, we only had one, one client at this point. It was terrible. Like it was bottom of the barrel. And he gives us a call and he's like, listen, man, like we're going to, I'm going to need to cancel. Like it's just not working out for us. Like we're getting a better deal from another agency. And man, like I, my heart broke because like we had no more money coming in. And I remember Linus's rent was about to be due and he was freaking out. And, and we were both freaking out. We're like, man, this is, this is terrible. Like we were really freaking out. And he's like, and I remember him telling me like, man, like, don't worry, things are going to work out. And I didn't believe him. <laughs> so, so this is, <laughs> so Linus tells me like, it's going to work out. Don't worry. Something's going to happen. And I emailed him. I was like, I'm not going to let this, I'm not going to let this Beverly Hills dentist cancel on us now. Like 
1250 he probably spends that like i don't know on on coffees you know starbucks for like the month or whatever like he can give us that 1250 like that was my <laughs> thinking so i emailed him i'm like you're gonna need to call us right now and he gives he gives me a call and i don't know by the grace of god he i, I convinced him to stay on for another month i don't know how i did it and i remember it was late it was late at night here in montreal because i'm on eastern time and he was in west coast so i think it was like nine or ten o'clock it was like seven eight i don't know what time it was but it was late And my, my mom was upstairs sleeping and I remember I got off the phone. He's like, okay, let's, let's just try it out for one more month. And the phone dropped out of my hand. I started screaming. I was like, yes, fucking right. I'm screaming. I'm slamming the wall. Tears are streaming down my face. It was like, and I'm not bullshitting. This is not for like story. Like this is real fucking life shit. I was crying like a baby. I was like, oh my God, we're going to fucking make it. And I, and it was, and it was. I think at that point that I realized, like, man, we gotta get our shit together. Like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm crying <laughs> over some Beverly Hills dentist. Like, I'm not part of like some fucking soap opera, man. Like, this is not what. Like, what is going on here? And it was that moment, in that moment of like pure elation, like that I realized, like, man, we gotta figure this shit out. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, we're too good at what we do to be struggling like this, and for me to be crying over 1250. Like, this is peanuts, man. Like, this is pure peanuts and i think that was the moment that like we really were like man let's let's fucking get our heads into it and let's start getting some clients and i'll let the i'll let lena tell the rest i just had yeah. to, to add that anecdote in there because it's just I, i get shivers thinking about it now dude that's amazing yeah man and i think it also illustrates a very important thing and kind of what we learned during the whole because now we 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 stopped just being kind of gun for hired copywriters and when you're that kind of copywriter you think all you need to know is how to write copy but you forget that you're actually running a business so now we were actually starting a business like an agency feels more like a real business right so we we got to have you know systems for for dealing with clients and, and you know making sure even the like the facebook campaigns we were running like what are all the things that we need to do on a daily basis to make sure the campaigns are running and stuff like this so starting the agency we started learning actual business skills like actual sales skills like for frankie dealing with situations like that Like getting through a situation like that will teach you more about sales than any fucking sales course, right? So we started getting clients. We started out with selling Google AdWords, but then we realized pretty quickly that for local AdWords, the search volumes are not that much. So you need like a 30-day time span to really see if a campaign is working. And we were just getting started. So the way we got clients is we would do a free trial. And we would need 30 days to see results. So we realized, oh, this is this is not good. Like the sales cycle is way too long. So that's why we switched to mm -hmm. Facebook. Because now we can get our ad in front of as many people as we want, depending on our budget, just in the local area. So we we quickly pivoted from AdWords agency to Facebook agency. We started just doing cold email outreach, offering to do free campaigns. We would make a landing page for somebody, like we put their logo and their picture on it and say, look, hey, we made this campaign for you. Would you be willing to try it out? Like all we ask for you is $100 for the ad spend and we'll run it for you for free for 24 hours. And if it works out, uh, like all you've, all you've risked is $100, but if it works out, then, you know, So let's see how it goes and we, we take it from there and it's a great offer yeah and we got this martial arts school as a client in texas we ran the campaign for him for free he got like 24 25 leads in the first 24 hours and he's like wow that's amazing like that's the best return on ads been i've ever gotten from anything you know so we got him on board pretty quickly 
like, I don't know, 800 bucks a month or something, $600, 800. And then, yeah, the campaigns were working. And then he immediately got us five referrals from other martial arts school owners that he knew. I think we closed like four out of five of those. So suddenly we were sitting on five martial arts school clients. And then it was like, okay, let's just, let's just double down on this. Let's become the best fucking Facebook ads agency for martial arts school, martial arts schools. So that's what we did. Built that business up. Yeah, lots of things happened, but we built that up to about 25k a month in about maybe 18 months. So suddenly, that so this was probably our first like real kind of success when we had like predictable monthly income and, and like a real business, and we were not we were no longer just assholes with laptops as we like to call ourselves. We're probably still assholes with laptops, but for the first <laughs> time we didn't feel like it. But I mean, so so that was that kind of taught us all the skills that we were lacking and like all the reasons we couldn't make copywriting work. We kind of saw that much more clearly mm. trying to build a different type of business, you know, and, and those like being a copywriter is still being a business. You have still have to look at it that way. Just being this sort of freewheeling freelancer, having that kind of mentality probably is not very helpful. I think for most people, I, I, I think what we learned there is that we didn't have a copy problem. Like we didn't have a client problem rather. Like there was no, there was no client problem. We had our offer problem. Like our, that's when offers mm. really started to kick in for us because when you're doing cold outreach and you're doing like mass outreach, like we were doing, like I, w- I remember we were sitting down, like Linus would prepare all of like, you know how he said, like we would create mock-ups for every single client, every single client. I have like, we'd have like a list, a spreadsheet of like a thousand martial arts schools and he would just go in and click funnels and create each one. And then I would knock out like 10 videos a day like of me showing them their campaigns, like showing them exactly what, yeah, just wow. hustling it out. And you learn really quickly. Cause like, I, I think one of the biggest problems with copywriting is, is that you don't, there's no instant feedback. Like you write a sales letter, you give it to the client, maybe you hear from them, maybe you don't, but like here we had instant feedback. If we send a, send out a cold email to like a hundred people and we got zero, like zippity doodah, like in terms of response, like we knew it, like there was an offer problem. And like, that's when it, kind of shifted for me it's like man it offers are really fucking important not only for like the sales letter but even for you as a business owner like if you're going to be a copywriter offers are important the way that you approach the thing is important so like that's when i think like that kind of thinking kind of took over for us it's like we, we stopped being freelancers like when they said in the beginning we started being business owners mm-hmm. and that's when like the shift completely happened for us it's like now we were right so then it kind of led to new problems you could say for me for i mean i started hating my life because Despite all of this success, now I was stuck in Facebook Ads Manager. I was stuck in ClickFunnels, like making pages, duplicating campaigns, like tweaking ad spend and like doing all this kind of mechanical stuff that I hated. The business was super mechanical, which is what we wanted. That's what we kind of built it to be. But when you're kind of in the in the nitty gritty of it, it just became very kind of soul crushing for me. Like I'm a, I guess I'm more of a creative type. And now I was in a business where I wasn't really finding an outlet for my, for my creativity. So just being stuck doing this kind of grunt work, if you will, it just really, it just really sucked. And also the clients, they tended to not be very kind of savvy. They most, I mean, mostly they were martial arts people. They were like lifelong martial arts students and they just cared about fucking 
jujitsu or whatever. Like they're not business owners, you know. So dealing with them was not always the easiest thing. Most of them were nightmares with very poor mentalities when it comes to business and marketing. So communicating with them was sometimes very challenging to say the least. Uh, and Frankie got the, the brunt of that. I sure did. <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> I'm mad and I make some friendships along the way. <laughs> <laughs> You're like the battering ram, man. You just batter straight into the problems. Head first. Yeah, if I if I could if I could sum up me and Linus's relationship, I'm the battering ram and he's like the scalpel. Like that's that's what it is. <laughs> like he's like this surgically precise guy, like super fucking smart, super good at copy, and I'm just like they're like just ramming the fucking door. <laughs> I'll do whatever it takes. <laughs> so my point of view is is that from all of this is that like we're growing this business so i'm doing i'm doing all of the sales so all of the sales calls are on me to do and I, and and linus is taking care of the back end of the of the agency like he's not dealing with the the one-to-one like customer like relations so i'm on the phone with these guys i'm closing sales i'm trying to retain them because one of the biggest things one of the biggest problems with a facebook ads agency and every single course owner that released a course and this is speaking to 95 percent of the inter- internet market community who had like an internet at a, at a Facebook ads agency course, you guys are all assholes because the problem with that, the problem with that business was not the client getting, it was keeping the freaking clients. Like at one point we were like, how do we retain these people? Because like, like Lena said, they were not savvy. So like we'd send them like a hundred leads a month. They didn't know what the hell to do with them. We might as well have sent them like bogus leads. They didn't know what to do. We could have, we could have filled out John Smith like a hundred times on those lead forms. They would have not been the wiser. Like they would have not known. So like I'm struggling to like retain these, these, these people. Our heart is not in it because we're, we're creatives. Like even though I'm a batting ram, I'm still a creative. Like I, I like people stuff. I like talking to people. I'm good at sales. I like copywriting. Like I like dealing with people, but like this technical stuff, like this, this agency stuff that we were doing was just like not for us. So like, it was like an uphill battle the whole time, just uphill, uphill, uphill. And Linus, like I lost him during the end phase of this business. I lost him completely. Like he went, yeah. but yeah, maybe you want to talk about that part now. Yeah, I kind of I kind of spiraled out of control a little bit right as we were beginning to hit the peak of our agency. Like we grew super quickly. We went from like like five six thousand a month, and then we went to like thirteen thousand, like seventeen eighteen thousand twenty twenty five twenty six, and I think we our highest month was like twenty six. And right around that time, I broke up with my girlfriend, so I was single for the first time in like two and a half years. And I started going out a lot. I started partying a lot, started getting into the social kind of scene here in Bangkok. Yeah, I, I just was, and that was a part of life I'd never experienced up to that point. I just, like most of my life had been locked in my mom's basement trying to build a business. And then, you know, I came here and had a relationship for two and a half years. So for the first time in my life, I find myself as a young single man in a big city. So I, that was a lot more interesting at the time. than From a place with 500 people and you're like, wow. <laughs> yeah, so right. that, was, that was a lot more interesting. Five million. <laughs> that was a lot more interesting than sitting in, in Facebook ads manager. So yeah, that, that was the beginning of the end for the agency. I I... I was just out three, four times a week for like a long time, uh, which eventually kind of led to me getting into the music scene and becoming a DJ. But that's a whole other story. So there's something positive came out of my kind of spiraling out of control, I guess. Dude, was that 2018? Was that in 2017? 2000. Because I mean, I went out with you, and you, and, yeah. and like after the Friday night, I was done. But you carried on until Tuesday. 
I remember I was out with you and your friends. You invited me to like this little <laughs> island called yeah. Cosumet. And I was yeah, like, cool. Yeah. I went out Friday night, went out really hard. And then the Saturday, I was like, right, I'm done. I'm going to bed at 9 p.m. You know, Linus and his mates carried on partying. Then on Sunday evening, carried on on the bus from the island back to Bangkok. And then they didn't finish till the Tuesday. <laughs> I was like, I can't keep up with these young kids. You know, I was 30 years old thinking that I could still party, but I couldn't. I could do two nights in a row max. Meanwhile, I'm on the phone with John Smith, who owns a martial arts school in Budfuck, Arkansas. <laughs> 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 trying to keep him trying to keep him yeah. on the line man like this was, so yeah so while Linus was going through his transitionary phase I'm battering around like I'm just trying to just keep the I'm just trying to like I'm taking buckets the, the, the ship is sinking I'm filling the buckets up with water I'm throwing them overboard I'm literally trying to just paddle my way to, to the shore at this point <laughs> on the phone writing emails at the same time <laughs> Literally, literally. <laughs> My girlfriend was working with us at the time, like doing like a client retention. She's crying on the phone. People are canceling. I don't know what to do. Like it was like a mess. <laughs> <laughs> and then like as the peak, like as that shit all happens, then the, the fucking final nail in the coffin just, just went right in. COVID hit. COVID hit 2020. That was when the freaking nail went into the coffin because all of these martial arts schools that were like, barely hanging on with our agency suddenly they had the perfect excuse to say hey let's pause the ads for like a couple months till this covid thing <laughs> till this covid thing goes away like in in whatever it was like march or whatever of 2020 and we were like oh man like and and now now we're sweating i was sweating Yes. So now we've, now we've slowly just kind of watched the business decline over like another 18 months and we, n- neither of our hearts are in it really. So we're kind of, we're, we're watching it decline, but we're kind of not willing to do anything about it because we don't really want to want this business, but it's also our only source of income. So we, we kind of feel trapped in our own business. But yeah, COVID was just a final straw. We lost every single client within like the first two weeks of COVID and we we're just back to square one. And, and like, it was kind of a mix of panic and relief you know finally we're out of this business you know but what the fuck are we going to do now so we basically just went back to the beginning which was copywriting let's go back to what we're good at let's go back to what we enjoy doing but now we kind of come back with this new understanding of like the business skills and the offer skills and the sales skill and also having a, a appreciation for the peace of mind that comes with having recurring monthly income you know, that was that was the main reason we did the agency in the first place it was for the recurring fees. So so all of this kind of leading up to what we're doing now. So I remember I, I reached back out to Peter around this time because he was just uh, he'd moved to Bangkok. I kind of told him about my, my situation. And yeah, so at that time they needed webinars. They were running their business on webinars. And I think, Pete, you've been writing them yourself and you yeah. wanted someone else to do it. So, Well, I spotted an opportunity because, because I knew how good you were. Because in my mind, you and Frankie were like the best copywriters I've ever come across in my life. And that includes me. And I studied so much copywriting and stuff and, and whatever. And my business went from like zero to $150,000 a month in six months in like 2015, 2016. By 2020 or whatever, you know, we're still kind of plottering around the $100,000 a month mark. But it was running on this massive launch hamster wheel. And 
I was just working my ass off every month, trying to come up with a new angle, trying to come up with new copy and everything. And then Linus was like, Pete, I've got like $100 left to my name. And I remember that. And I was like, oh my God, what an opportunity to get the two best copywriters I know for an absolute bargain. (laughs) so, So I was like, dude, yeah, no problem. You know, get a job, write a webinar every month. And, you know, let's get this, let's get this business going. And I thought I was going to be saved. I thought my business was going to make like just millions and millions and millions because these, these, these two came in. And to me, I was like, I was like so elated and so happy Yet something mm-hmm. broke down. Something didn't work yeah. out that I couldn't foresee. Like right now, looking back, it's crystal clear to me what went wrong. But after like three or four months, was it six months? I can't remember. It was about six months. Yeah, but I sat Linus down in coffee club and I said, look, I'm, I'm sorry, dude. It's like, it's not working out for us. Yeah. And at the time, I didn't realize that at the time, the way that I was structured my business and the way that I was running my business was just completely incorrect. You know, I had an ego just like everyone does who, 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 who founds a business that does 100K a month. Like, that's like the... That's like you, you reach like an elite club, you know, when you do that, because everyone talks about it all the time. And then when you finally do it. And then so to me, I was like, you know, like I, the, the, the task I put upon them was just impossible to complete. Like it was impossible to get the outcome I wanted, which was like a fresh angle, fresh webinar with a new kind of Noah's Ark. The storm is coming. The sales got to happen now kind of mentality. And Zach, you were there, man. You were closing those sales because you were the high ticket. Mm. You were the high ticket guy. And so mm. when, when that wasn't working, you know, you try and find lots of people to blame or you try and find out what's not working and, and stuff like that. And, as, and as, a, as a person who hires copywriters, you a lot of the time make decisions based on what the copywriter has done, but they just followed your instructions. So is the copy actually bad? No, the copy is fantastic. But how is the business doing its marketing? Like how, what's, what's the lead generation like? Like what, how, what's the messaging you put out to people? And so even if you have the best copy, it doesn't mean you're going to get the best result. And as, as an owner of a business, like you could put the onus on the copywriters, but at the end of the day, the buck stops with you. And that business of mine almost went bankrupt, you know? So, I mean, Lena's and Frank, you guys, you guys were, 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 were that man. Yeah. I mean, that's the complexity as well of it because, yeah, because it's, you know, you have the situation where there's these multiple cogs in the machine of your business, right? And then you attach onto that, mm. each cog has got people involved. And then as the founder, right, you, you're also this cog in the machine as well. So all these cogs working and not only is it difficult to pinpoint why something isn't working. And I think that was the challenge as well, but it was just a mm. complex business. It was just, it was just really complex. And I think the natural inclination, at least with founders that I've worked with is that, yeah, I mean, it's, well, the easiest thing is to blame people always, I think. It's the, it's, mm. it's, it's kind of the first, it's kind of the first step, isn't it? And it was interesting because me and you spoke about this recently, Pete, and you said that one of the biggest lessons that you've learned is removing your ego from business. And I think that's like, mm. that was just a fascinating insight, right? Because it's like, I can have an ego or I can not have an ego, but is my, com- is my, is my company making money, right? Or could it be making more? 
Am I the limiting factor? Yeah, fascinating stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was kind of gnawing. It started gnawing at me within a couple months, I think, because we were, we were writing these webinars, and I think the second or third one we wrote kind of set a record for the company. So we, we thought, you know, we were crushing it, like this is going great. But at the same time, so then the next month, we, we, we got to top that or we got to write something at least as good. And yeah. this constant pressure to make sales and, and the whole business is dependent on these webinars being right. And it was kind of, you know, hit or miss. Like every copywriter knows, like you, you're going to fail like a significant portion of the time. But usually you don't have to be right that often. Yeah, you have, you have to hit it out the park every single month. Yeah, I remember because I was the one coming up with the big ideas. I don't know if you remember that, Linus, but I was coming up with the big ideas. But, and honestly, between that and the agency, I think that was more stressful. Because like literally everything was riding on me coming up with this big freaking enchilada of an idea every month. And I remember I, I would just be sitting at my computer screen like, you know, you, you come up with a good idea the first month. Okay, great. Come up with a good idea the second month. All right, swell. You come up with an idea the third month, suddenly you're shit out of luck. You got no more good ideas. Like I was like, I don't know what the hell to write anymore. Like I, I, I was like, I don't know what the, I don't know what to write anymore. And I remember looking at the computer screen that one month. And you better hope it works. Yeah, you better hope it works. Exactly. You, you really got no yeah, you, really, exactly. you got no choice. So like and and around this time I, I I was I was urging I don't know if I don't know who was urging who, uh, to be honest. I, I think you were urging me or I was urging you. We we're like, man, let's just let's do let's do emails for for the pattern trader. I remember do you remember the Slanus at all? Yeah, we were we were thinking about it quite early. Like around the stage. But, but yeah, because because it was I remember thinking like this doesn't make any sense. Like, like we just wrote a, the webinar that just ran. Like it just set a record for the company. Like it's the best webinar they ever did. So why do we got to write a new one? Like we have a working sales asset. Like can we just keep mm. doing this one? You know. Uh, but it's like, but then it's like, oh, the list has already seen it, you know. So it was this kind of dilemma. And part of us didn't want us, want them to run it again because then we wouldn't get paid the next month, right? Because then, like, <laughs> like you want it to right. work, but you don't want it to work that well because then you wouldn't get paid the next month. So it was like this really weird, like push and pull. Where like, let's make it good, but not good enough for them to yeah. fire us. Next month. You know, like let's 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 put some <laughs> spelling errors in there. You know what I mean? Make sure the, the spell checker doesn't work. You know, like we were just trying to sabotage ourselves in this weird way. And during this time, I was actually writing emails for another business, which will go nameless. But I was I was uh, working on emails, and right. one of the things between me and Linus is that he's much better at writing like extended sales pieces. Like he's masterful. Like he's one of my all time favorite copywriters and my, my all time copywriter, all time favorite copywriters is like Gary Halbert, John Carlton. So it's, it's, it's a really heavy list and he, and he's definitely in my top five. So yeah. Thanks, yeah. Bro. So yeah, you got a fan here. He's one of my favorite copywriters. And so he would write the sales letters and I would take care of the email part of it. Cause you know, whenever you're selling a funnel as a copywriter, you know, you have some sales letters, you have some autoresponders to go to that sales letter. So the way that we kind of would divvy up the work was like, I would come up with maybe the main angle and I would spitball with him and we talk about the main angles together, come up with something. And then he would go off and like, we'd write an outline together. He would go off and write the, the, the sales letter. And then I would go off and write the emails. And I fell in love with writing emails because it's, it's really like my personality. If you guys have seen the, the way that I've been on this, on this thing, like I'm, I'm very, like, I'm very emotive. You know what I mean? So like for me, it was like trying to pack all that emotion into like 300 words or 400 words. So I, I really fucking loved it. And coming up with like these angles, right? Cause like every email in, in of itself has to be like its own 
little main it has to have its own angle and and i would just come up with like these angles like really really quickly and like i would have like all of my emails to, to write out with all these different angles and I, I was i was pretty good at it so i was like okay let me let me take care of the emails so while our business was tanking so the way that we had kind of survived through this time was that i had taken on an email copywriting client and i was writing daily emails so i was writing emails for this for this dating company so basically they were they were running these campaigns and i was running autoresponders and i was listening to ben settle at this point like i was a ben settle fan still am and he was like kind of pushing this idea of like the daily email right like you should be writing an email every single day to your list so i was like hey like my emails are pretty good they were getting really good results with all of my emails. I'm like, hey, why don't we write them every day? You know, like crazy idea, right? You do more of what works. And she and and she was like, okay, the, the owner of the company was like, okay, like let, let's do it. Let's do it every single day. And she was hesitant at first because she was like, oh man, I'm going to burn out my list. And I'm like, no, the way that I'm going to write them, the list will freaking love you because you're, you're putting out value. You're putting out good information. They're going to love you for it. So I began writing emails for her and that was how I was staying afloat during like the, the downturn in the business. So within a few short months, like we, I essentially just doubled her business. Like she went from X amount and now it was times two of that X amount. I don't know what the amount was, but it was, it was times two. And she was like, you doubled my business. So meanwhile, we're writing these webinars. I'm like, man, we should, we were both talking about this because Linus was obviously in, in tune with what was going on, what was going on with me and this client. Like he would help me write the emails. Like we were always working on stuff together. And he was like, man, we should probably do emails for, for the pattern trader. And I was like, yeah, that's a great fucking idea. Like, why don't we do that? Like, that's awesome. Like, why don't we do that? And then uh, I guess Linus pitched it to to, to you, Pete. And uh, what was your? Re- I, I'm curious. I'm going to ask you a question because we've been kind of grilled. Yeah. What was your initial reaction when Linus kind of brought up the idea of the of the daily email or the daily memo? Oh, dude, I was elated. I was really like, okay. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have a single objection, did I, Linus? You did. Was it? Did I? Well, sort of in the beginning because because you were still tied to the old model of doing things with the monthly uh, launches and everything. I, listen, I mean, we're talking so pre-2021. Yeah. Right. We, we did some other campaigns in between, but I remember kind of the main objection was that, you know, if we send out this, then that's going to take up our email slots that we're already right. using for other, other campaigns. So it was. So that was the transition in that company of just going from the kind of launch model to the you know consistent daily model. Yeah. Okay. I remember now because I was skeptical initially, but this was in like 2020. Yeah. It, it was a while after that we started doing daily emails. Yeah. Yeah. So I was skeptical because I was like, right, we're doing this launch, and if we send out an email every day on top of the launch, it's just going to take away from the pie. You know, it's just like there's only so much income coming from our list and if i take up a slot of that income through a daily email it's gonna one burn out the list and then two just get in the way of our launches which is like deadline now you know countdown timer like we 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 relied heavily on scarcity and urgency and so for a little for a little email every day to go out in between those didn't make any sense at the time right yeah 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 yeah. So so that was my that was my initial objection that was about a year or so year and a half before we actually started doing the daily emails. Yeah. So it was a really long sales cycle. Yeah. <laughs> but during this time of like writing for the dating market, I was like, I was like, cause that was kind of like our side thing. Right. So I didn't really have much time to dedicate to it. Cause like that was my side way of staying afloat. So like in doing that, I kind of came up with like this way of like, it, 
And honestly, it was kind of like subconscious of, of writing a fresh email angle every single day that would like deliver value and entertain the list for this, this dating company. And that kind of like set things off in motion for me of like writing stuff because I had no choice. Right. And, and honestly, it wasn't like what I really wanted to do. It wasn't like my freaking you know, the, 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 the job of a lifetime, but it was keeping me afloat. So I was like, man, let me do a good job here. And that's how the whole daily memo thing came up. And like every single day I would write an email for this list and then we did it for you guys. And, um, yeah. And just applying those same things I did for this other market. And I had no idea. And, and just as a, uh, as a disclaimer here, I had no idea. And maybe you don't know, know about this, but I, I really have no idea what it, it's, it's a trading company, but I really have no idea about anything when it comes to trading, but I'm able to write these emails every single day, regardless of what I know. I don't know. I don't know anything about dating. I've been in a relationship for about the last five years and I don't even know if my girlfriend likes me too much, to be quite frank with you. She says she does. But... <laughs> well, she said yes That's to your funny. proposal. So, Oh, I haven't proposed yet. I hope she doesn't watch this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> okay, she doesn't watch any of my stuff anyway. She, he's just joking. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, he's just joking. He's never going to ask you to marry She's never going to get an hour and five minutes. It's an hour and five minutes we've been on this. She's never going to get an hour and five minutes into this thing. She doesn't like me that much. No, no, she, really she doesn't like me that much, so... There's, there's absolutely no danger. We've buried it nice and deep. Yeah. So, so then we started doing it for, for pattern trader and I don't know, man, I'm not going to toot my own horn here, but apparently it worked out pretty good. Yeah. I, I think it took, took maybe two or three months from after we, cause I remember I, I made a little like loom video walking through kind of my proposal of how the daily emails and how it would fit in with the rest of the business. And I, I sent that to Pete and it, it probably took like two or three months after that before we actually started doing it. Yeah. So because our business model changed slowly, like we had to adapt or die because we had to get off this crazy launch model that was just killing us, you know? And it's like this Frank Hearn style, sell a different angle all the time and just run these separate campaigns with these deadlines and these pre-click, post-click stuff and all really like clever automations. We had this beast of automations. I mean, maybe I could, I could get an image of it, but like, I remember it, dude. It was like a spider web. Dude, these all, like, 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 if they don't buy, then do this. Ah, oh, this thing is doing that thing again. There we go. Let's just stop. I hope you're it's wearing pants. Like zooming in on my belly. We don't, yeah, I'm so <laughs> glad I'm wearing pants. And so are you guys. But, um, Maybe I'm not. So, so <laughs> not so sure, bro. So, so we had to change the model. So, so we had to have like one kind of webinar that would work. And then we needed a method of driving people there. So Alinas came and he goes, right, how many emails are you currently sending out a week? And I was like, you know, like five. And he was like, right, you're leaving money on the table. We need to write an email every single day. And so I was like, okay, let's, let's give it a shot. You know, and I, and I was stressed out beyond my limit. Like August 2021, the business just made a $47,000 loss that month. And so I was like just about to give up out of 12 months in 2021, we were unprofitable for seven of them, you know, where we didn't make any money or we lost money. And I went from this genius who just like knew what he was doing and built a hundred grand a month business to just like feeling absolute despair at not knowing how I was going to cope with that. 
and how I was going to get out of this because things just, it just took too much creative energy out of me. And I knew if I could apply my creativity and I could just, and I could just pull an angle out of the bag and I can pull a campaign out of the bag, like boom, we can make $165,000 in a 30 day period, which we did in July. We just came off this, that's our best month to date was July 2021, and then our worst month to date was August 2021, the exact month after. There was this serious roller coaster. One month massive loss, one month massive gain, as you know, I just put these campaigns in. So Linus was like, dude, let's just write like a daily email and let's just send it to the list every single day. And so I don't know if you want to take it from there from your perspective, Linus, but things changed dramatically in the business things 180 i think that's probably better from your perspective yeah yeah i mean i can definitely speak to this yeah so zach so zach's the high ticket closer you know set up the high ticket sales system and everything and the business so let me just explain what happened to the business model (laughs) we went from this crazy system of automations and everything to we generate a lead we email them every day and then they got onto a high ticket sales conversation. That was it. The entire business changed to that. And the immediate results starting in September 2021 were insane. We didn't run a single campaign, yet we did over $100,000 uh, a month. And Zach, you were like talking to people on the phone and you were, you were, you were training up sales guy at the time, your brother, Jonathan. And so, I mean, what happened? Yeah, so... So this is so. So what happened post doing the daily emails? What happened after that? Yeah, so, yeah. Once Linus and Frankie just started pushing out these daily emails, yeah. Like, well, what happened at the beginning? I didn't really understand some of the things that were going on behind the scenes with that, right? So I was literally just looking after the sales. I trusted you to bring in the leads and you trusted me to close them, right? And that was our process and that's what we was doing. That, and, that's, and that's what we were doing. But we'd been freaking up and down, you know? It had been tough. You know, we were hustling and there were times when I was doing, I think the maximum I was doing was like 14, 15, 16 calls a day. And I was speaking like, 70% of them were coming from really low income countries and we're selling, you know, a $5,000 product here. And so we were kind of all over the place when that started. I really didn't understand it until we were like two or three months in. Right. Because we had low months and then they'd gone up and we'd done a great month and they'd gone down. So when it started in September, I didn't really see it. But then when things transpired into the next month and the next month, and then it was like, hold on a second, something's happening here. Right. Everyone in the business across the board is, is like, everyone's super chill. <laughs> like you were chill. The ops were chill. Like everyone was, everyone was just so relaxed. We'd eliminated all the campaigns. We'd eliminated all these Noah's Ark strategies that we were coming up with. Well, you both, you specifically, Linus, were coming up with every single freaking month, right? We were on our, on, our, on our team meetings every single Monday. That was all done. And so, and so everything, had, everything that we were doing had disappeared and we were making more money consistently than we'd ever made before. And not only that, but I'm looking at the sales numbers and I mean, I can pull up on my phone, you can just see it. There's a, there is a clear trajectory. I mean, we're, we're just beginning the month now, but if I get the reports up on simple invoices, you know, if we go back, so if you can see that, 
so there's that dip that we had. So we had a great month kind of earlier on in the year, and then it kind of dipped down, right? And this is the period that you were speaking about, Pete. And bearing in mind, this isn't all the transactions that take place within the company. This is specifically, just specifically our high ticket sales. And then we get to September, and that's when that's when the, that's when the that's when the daily email started, right? And we're like, okay, cool. Second month in, it goes up a little bit, mm. but then it goes back down again, right? So I'm like, all right. But it was the third month, the fourth month, the fifth month, and the sixth month in that I was like, okay, we've got something incredible here. And just from the numbers, you can see that things started to compound, right? all the erraticness that we'd seen before dis had disappeared. And so that's my experience. I mean, you know, what you can see right here was my experience. Yeah. You know, it, it, it went from being very inconsistent to a certain extent, although there was this consistent inconsistency because we always made money, right? We were always, you know, we, you know, we're hustling it. But it just, there was a complete transformation of morale, ethos, time that we were spending on the business. Everything was just dramatically reduced. So that was my experience. Yeah. And so, and so from, from a management side, the weekly meetings that I used to have, they used to be an hour, hour and a half. We would have to split them into two, into one strategy call and then one operations call. So that we have like two hour long meetings. That meeting is now this week it was less than eight minutes <laughs> because the entire business is so simple now generate the lead follow up with the lead close the lead and we can generate the lead in any which way we want so right now we we register people for a webinar which is a live webinar which has no pitch no sales pitch on the webinar at all right and then we just email them every day saying hey do you want this like and the emails are not designed for a click. They're not designed for anything. They're designed to deliver um, insight, you know, so someone can, can get something insightful and tune in like a radio show every single day and get something insightful. And then at the bottom, it's like, hey, by the way, get this thing if you like it. So from a, from a founder perspective, like the piece that this generated was just insane. Like every single day, there's action happening. People booking appointments, the sales team making sales. And there was no campaigns, got rid of all campaigns. And so the peace it brought to my business was insane. And then so now we're at this point where we've, we've gotten rid of everything else. We've gotten rid of like 10 low ticket products. We've got rid of so many things. And it's all because of the daily memo. And Linus and Frankie now, they get sent a paycheck every single month. And essentially, all they're doing is half an hour half an hour's worth of writing every day. Like if you guys eliminated everything else you did in your life, you guys would share one half an hour task every single day. Yeah. Like that's it. If you, if, if, if you, if you decided to quit like DJing and, and, and quit the, 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 the memo men and, and, you know, doing this podcast or whatever, that's all you would be doing. Yeah. And to me, like as a business owner, it's like, man, I'm like so happy to pay that because you've introduced such peace to my business and introduced such sales to this thing. And then like weird things have happened. Like the chargeback rate has dropped by 75%. People don't get, people don't do chargebacks anymore. Our Stripe account at one point was at risk of being shut down because of the chargebacks. Now the chargeback is lower than like, like, like an online clothes shopping business. Like it's really, really low. 
And uh, refund requests are, are like in the toilet, you know? We hardly get any refund requests anymore. And so what you guys have managed to do is to take a simple daily task, not only turn it into recurring revenue for yourselves, but like now we have a business that is on the regular doing above $180,000 a month. So in the past, I told you that our high was $165,000 in a single month in sales. Now that would, now that's, <laughs> that's below our average right now. So we haven't, so for the last four months from December to now it's, it's April, we've done an average of $183,000 per month, every single month. And so, um, the business essentially doubled because it did about hundred. So it's at about ninety five thousand a month on average. Before I used to say hundred grand a month because it sounds cooler, but that was the average. And now, now the average is legitimately one hundred eighty three thousand a month. And we just scaled the traffic, so we. Ju I just got the confidence in order to to double ad spend, so that we're going to see what the business is in like two or three months time. But as copywriters, to think that after all the VSLs, after all the webinars you wrote, after all the autoresponder series, to think that in the end, all you had to do was write a single daily memo that takes you half an hour. Who'd have thought it? Mm -hmm. I mean, how, like, what does that feel like now? How does that change your perspective? Eat it, Dr. Zweig. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it, honestly, the, the, you know, Whenever you hear about like these business people and like, you know, these talking heads and these, you know, big entrepreneurs, they're going to be like, yeah, I knew it was going to work. It's, we're, we're, this is a proven offer, man. We're going to kill it and 10 exit. Honestly, I had no idea it was going to work. <laughs> I'm going to be freaking honest with you guys. Like I had no idea that it was going to be this powerful. The only, the only reason, the only inkling I had was that like the, 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 the dating company that I was working with before, she said it in passing. Honestly, she said it like it was no big deal. Oh, by the way, like we doubled the business. Like literally it was in passing. Like she didn't make a big deal out of it. Like the, 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 the amount of the, the, the amount of like praise that you've given this daily memo on this podcast, it dwar like it dwarfs whatever she said. She said, well, it doubled my business. So like keep writing them. Like that's literally what we got. So like, I had no idea. I'm like, okay, like double their business. I'm like, the hell is she talking about? Like she would have made a way bigger deal of it if I had actually doubled her business. Like I knew it was good because like I, I'm pretty okay at writing emails, I guess. But like I didn't know it was going to be this good. Like I honestly didn't know it was going to be this great. And and honestly, it, what we've witnessed, I think, is like the compounding effect. Like sure, we're good out of the gate with these daily these daily memos. Like out of the gate, we can drive results. But I think what we're starting to see now is like the compounding effect of building a relationship with people and, and delivering this stuff and touching with touching them every single day. No, you know, no perverted stuff there, like touching their hearts every single day and, and, and delivering value and being there for them in their email through this like simple piece of writing. I think we're starting to see the compounding results and I'm, I'm I wouldn't be surprised if it doubles again, you know, we double the business again in, a, in another year or so because just of the, you know, the, the, the compounding effect of it and as copywriters, like our biggest, the thing that we need to do the most is, is, is reach people. Like if we can do that, whether it's through a sales letter or through a webinar or through whatever the heck, like our job as a copywriter is to reach out and, and, and touch somebody's heart. Like that's what we need to do. And these daily memos give us a way to do that consistently every single day of the week, like literally seven days a week. I write an email 
that I know is touching somebody somewhere. Like it's going on and it's, and it's reaching out to people. So like, that's our real goal as copywriters. And this kind of vehicle to do that, I think is one of the most under like rated things that we could do. And it, and it transforms businesses because it does what we're meant to be doing. Like, and I, Linus, I know you want to say something. I, I think that's a, I think that's a, one of the big reasons why this is such a good opportunity for, for copywriters. And the, the reason we're pushing this so hard is because of the amount of leverage there is in the list, right? Like everybody heard that from day one, when they started learning about marketing, the money's in the list, the money's in the list, right? But yet everybody sucks at it, you know? So it's like this big opportunity that it's not really that hard to fix. Okay. So let's say you have a client, if they have an email list of, let's say 50,000 people, if you send an e- like a single email sent to that list could be worth tens of thousands of dollars to the business if it's the right email with the right offer. So if you can write that, if you have the skill to write that in 30 minutes, you have now you have a model where you, you have a relatively small amount of input that's required with a huge output. There's a huge result for the client. So it's, it's like a no-brainer for them to pay you 5K a month to do this. Like they make it back, they make more than that back with every email you send for them in some cases. So it's just this, the reason we can only work 30 minutes a day to do this is because of the amount of leverage that is in the follow-up. Yeah. So when, when, when people ask me like, okay, cause, cause having a, having an online coaching business in one of the most competitive niches in the world, that's making 180 K and it's actually just growing consistently like every single month. And a lot of people want that. A lot of people go after that. You have a lot of people on Sam Evans going after that. Russ Rafino, a lot of people following Frank Kern want that kind of stuff and whatever. And none of them, and I've probably bought $50,000 worth of courses over the last uh, five years. But none of them have come in and been like, well, actually, hold on. Why don't you just generate a lead and just, and just email them every day? It's the unsexiest thing that you could possibly do. It is so unsexy. Yet a business or customer acquisition just relies on three things. You have generating the lead, you have following up with the lead, you have closing the lead. And the follow-up, I mean, you could do that for four years. You could follow up with someone for 10 years, right? This part never stops. The closing part, you have a few shots at that, but you only have a second shot at this is if you follow up. You generate a lead, you generate that lead once. Then you've got to follow up. And this is all there is to making money online. It's all there is to a business. Generate the lead, follow up with the lead. This is like really challenging my dexterity here. <laughs> but that's all there is. And then so everyone's always trying to overcomplicate this. Like, how can I trick the audience into listening to my sales pitch? How can I trick the audience into buying something? How can I use fear and all that kind of stuff? And it's like, well, actually, how about you show up every day with an offer? That's just really good because your product has a great offer, right? And then just, 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 just write an email. So if copywriters start doing this and start offering this as a service, not only will you get a recurring massive fat recurring monthly check, you'll do something you'll enjoy. And me as the business owner, like I am absolutely fucking elated that this has happened to my business. And I will never speak down at you or like treat you like shit. And because I could just totally... I, I, you saved my life, essentially. You're welcome. (laughs) 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 So this, this kind of reminds me of, this is years ago. I used to live in Spain and I was like 19 
No, I was 18 at the time. And I won't get into this story, but <laughs> I was living, ended up living with this dude in, in this tiny village. His name is Victor. He was an older guy. I didn't have anywhere to live at the time. And anyway, he tells me this, this story. And he said, so one day, he's this old dude. He said, one day my VCR, you know, my tape machine broke. And so I called this, I called this guy up to come fix it. So he comes over to the house and he has a look at it. And about 30 seconds later, he pulls out a screw, puts it in, says, right, you're all done. And it works now. That'll be 50 bucks. And so Victor turns around to him and he says, hold on a second. You've been here for 30 seconds. I'm not paying you 50 bucks for that. <laughs> like it's taken up no time for you to do this. And the guy said, mm. you didn't pay me to, to put the screw in. You paid me to know where to put the screw in. Mm -hmm. And so despite the simplicity of w how this seems, <laughs> it is fundamentally simple. Right. But there's also complexity in that simplicity, right? It's you, you know, you need to understand the full picture mm -hmm. in order to execute on that on on something that is that simple. Right. That's what kind of came to my mind mm. as you were kind of saying that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If I was a copywriter right now, listening to this, yeah, like, what can I do to get that kind of income and just write a daily memo? Well, having listened to this is a good start because you kind of understand the aspects that go into it from all the sides, from the copywriter side and, and from the business owner side. But I, I guess this is where we, where we talk about the memo men and why we started this whole thing. So I guess just to keep it real, all the four of us, we kind of came together, me and Frankie from the copywriter side and Peter from the business owner side and, and Zach from the sales side and realized like, let's do something together. We just wanted to, cause we'd all been working together in this trading company and we realized this is a pretty cool team and we all have cool things we bring to the table. So let's do something together. And we were going back and forth for weeks trying to figure out, you know, what are we going to do? And we were starting to get some clients for, for writing emails. And then I was on a call with Zach and kind of told him my story of, of kind of coming up as a copywriter. And, and that's how this whole thing started. Zach was just all over it and like, oh my God, this is a story. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do something for copywriters. And as soon as we had the first meeting about that, I don't know about you, Frankie, but I felt something kind of light up in my brain where I realized like, oh my God, like all the things that we've been through as copywriters and trying to figure this thing out. There's just, like there's just so many lessons in there and, and we have so many things to share. And the vision I kind of had in my mind was, you know, like I want to give copywriters and, and entrepreneurs and, and creatives all the tools and and the support that I wish that we had when we were first starting out. Because for a lot of years, it was just like we were just taking stabs in the dark, figuring it out as we went along, all kinds of roller coasters, all going through different businesses. We probably failed a hundred businesses over the years, you know, like there's so many things that we've, we've done that didn't work and things, some things that we did work. And we finally kind of arrived here in a place where things are pretty good, you know? So we're just kind of starting this so we can show other people how to do it and to give them the support that they need. Yeah. And another thing is that like what I, what we, what we came to realize is that as you can tell, like me and Linus's story kind of intertwined because we, we've had each other since the, the very beginning of this whole thing. 
And then we started to think, like, I, I remember getting on a call with him. I'm like, man, like, if you're a copywriter, like, you're on your own. Like, you got no, like, we, we've been blessed because we've kind of had each other to go through all the ups and downs and kind of, like, rely on each other for emotional support. I can't, I, I can't tell you how many hours I've spent with Lena just venting to him about, like, a client or something. Like, and, and, and as a copywriter, it's kind of like a lonely journey to begin with just because of the way that it is. So like one of the biggest things that I think I've, I've had to learn is that like there's, there's so much power in the relationships that you build, not only with your clients, but with other copywriters, other entrepreneurs and, and learning from them and, and leveraging that because there's just so much leverage in relationships that are outside of like purely monetary transaction. Like, and, and honestly, if we can bring that to copywriters and kind of give them that, that, that shoulder to lean on and like give them this, this great offer that, that can change a lot of businesses. Like there's so many businesses that this kind of offer can change, like double their business. And it's, it's such a, it's such an easy going thing. It's not like where we were before, where we were creating like a freaking webinar every month that I was, I was like, I still have a few gray hairs here and there from that, that whole experience. Like it was just a freaking nightmare. Like, and people are going through that every single freaking day with multiple clients. I, I feel for them. And they shouldn't be having a struggle like that because if you're a good copywriter, guess what? With just a few small tweaks and learning the system, you can knock out one of these emails that I've been writing like in 30 minutes, like we've been harping on about. Like once you learn the way to do it, and if you have, you know, solid copywriting skills, you know, obviously you don't want to be a complete beginner, like, but if you have some, some, some copywriting chops, you can go out and do this yourself. Like there's nothing magical about it. Like you just got to learn the system and, and learn how to do it. But, and, and if we can give this to you and, and give you this, this, this kind of like, not a gift, cause you know, I don't want to sound pretentious, but if we can give you this tool for you to use for yourself, like that would make me all the happier because I know what it's like to be there and it's, it's not fun. And this, and this kind of business model for copywriters is a way out of that shit. Like no problem. And I, I think another thing is, and I, I see this a lot of, on, on Facebook too, and like copywriting communities and stuff. People talk a lot about like imposter syndrome, like how do you overcome imposter syndrome? And I think this is very common, not just for copywriters, but for creatives in general. It's like when your like work output is something creative, you're always going to be doubting yourself. And I, I, I think both of us felt this for a long time too. And it, it kind of feels like you're missing something or it's like, oh, I, I just need to get better. I need to learn more about copyright. I need to be a better copywriter. And that's, I think, what, what most people feel is that because they feel this kind of lack in confidence. So they think they need more information. But, you know, after going through all of this, after, you know, building the agency, after sitting in with with Peter, for example, on the weekly strategy meetings and seeing how he runs the company. I remember sitting on those meetings and after a couple months, it's like it really started clicking for me all the other components that go into building a business. And I saw like, oh, oh wait, he built a seven figure business basically using completely different skill sets than we have. Like for more like organizational type, project management type skill sets that we were lacking in all our business in the past. So we could start seeing where we'd been lacking and the reasons we've been failing in the past. And this is like a huge game changer, especially if you're coming from a position of being a freelancer, copywriter, kind of this freewheeling artist type personality. And now you're in this environment, being part of a team, it just completely changes your perspective. And this is another thing that we want to bring to copywriters and help them give this understanding, help them understand the bigger context of the businesses they're working within, because then you can find opportunities 
to create leverage within those businesses and, and scale existing client partnerships. Like this daily email idea within the pattern trader came about, like we're always trying to come up with new opportunities. We're generating new opportunities within the business because not only can we help the business, but we can also get paid. So that that's been one of our main ways to scale our incomes as copywriters is pitching new ideas to our existing clients. And that's another thing that we can show people how to do. You know, there's there's so many components that most copywriting gurus don't talk about. So yeah, that's where I feel the opportunity is for us that where we can bring value to to people and, and really help them. One thing that I would say for any copywriters listening to this right now, and this is like the main takeaway, and this is something that I had to learn the hard way because I was a copywriter for basically my entire adult life. Copywriting is the deliverable. It's not the business. Like, and 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 they treat it like it's the business. Copywriting is just the deliverable. And it's something that you have to learn the hard way. Because copywriting is not the end-all be-all that they make it out to be. It's, it's really just the deliverable. And if you have some great copywriting chops and you know what you're doing, then great. You have a great deliverable. But there's the business that you need to take care of as well. And, you know, I, I think a, a, a big part of that, a big part of taking care of that imposter syndrome, and I, I think that, you know, that everybody feels it. I feel it now. I mean, just listening to Peter talk about, like, the results in his business, I'm like, yeah, my email. So, you know, like, yeah, you sure? Like, you know, there's always that little imposter syndrome that kicks in. But then, like, if you have this business to deliver this deliverable that's copywriting, the imposter syndrome just kind of goes away because now you have like this structure and this this entity that's outside of yourself to deliver this 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 deliverable that you have. And I don't, I don't I'm for lack of a better word. Oh yeah. So that that was that was the point I was going to make is that. You think that imposter syndrome comes because you're not good enough of a copywriter. You think that's what's missing, but it's actually a bunch of other things that are missing. When you're, you're you can't just be this one-sided copywriter, then yeah, you're going to feel imposter syndrome because you you do have components that are missing. But it's not the copywriting skills; it's yeah. all the other stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. I tell you yeah. what, the idea that someone can just take an SOP. So standard operating procedure, because I went into Frankie's brain and I grilled him for three yeah. days. And because I'm operations obsessed, I put this whole thing into an operations, into an SOP. So that when he writes the copy, it's like, okay, well, you just follow these instructions. And to think that that's all you have to do to do what you guys did is incredible to me. If I had to go back in time, I wouldn't even have started a high ticket coaching business. I'd just mm -hmm. be a copywriter doing this all the time. And since then, we've taken on clients to do this, where we actually write the daily emails for them. And we call them daily memos because they actually get turned into blog posts, social media posts, and all sorts of things. But the coolest part was, is when we, we brought on the latest client, and they usually get about 20 high ticket sales appointments a week. And the first email, they got 28, blew out the entire calendar for a full seven days. Their salespeople were just rammed with sales calls. And it's still like that. It's now been 10 days and the calendar is still booked out another seven days in advance. So 17 days of calendar blowout has already happened here because of the, of the structure that these daily memos get written in. And so, and the thing is, the coolest part is that we can't take on all the clients there are because there are 30 million businesses in the US that require follow-up. Every single business in America in fact, every single business in the world, I don't even know how many there are in the world, but there's 30 million in America. 
and all of them need follow-up. So if you have a million clients paying you 5K, well, that's 5 <laughs> billion a month. We can't do that, right? So we can't fulfill. So what we're going to do is we're just going to show you how to like share in that massive pie of wealth. So what is a million? So 30, so five. So it's 100. So this industry has the potential to be 150 billion a month. It's, it could be a trillion dollar industry just serving follow-up. So... There is so much money to go around. Like if you can come to business owners like me and like just double the business with a simple daily task, we're going to pay you a lot of money. So that's what this is all about. Yeah, I would say there's there's even more opportunity here than the types of jobs that most copywriters go after. Like not just copywriters, but agent, every marketing agency, everybody's obsessed with the front end. It's like how to get oh. more customers and, and like getting more yeah. traffic and getting more leads. And it's like... Yeah, but what, what about what happens to all the leads after that? So you can actually piggyback on all the work doing done by all the agencies out there, all the media buying agencies and all the people writing front-end copy and sales letters. Like, that's oversaturated. Like, everybody's doing that. But it also means everybody's – there are so many clients who are already getting tons of leads but doing a poor job of the follow-up. So there's this gap. There's a big opportunity for, for copywriters who know how to do this to step in. Yeah, and, and with that said, you know, I mean, there's many ways to be successful. This is just one way. Like, this is this is one way that's very well suited to to our personality types. But if if this is something that resonates with you, this is definitely something we can we can help you with. Yeah, for sure. I think the yeah. first step is probably just sign up to the daily memo. Just just get an email every day and see the kind of emails we write. That's step one. And then we'll post some links to to some things below the video as well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to turn this into like some kind of weird hard pitch at the end, Let's you know, like pitch out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like everybody who does webinars, they, they want to make it out to be like, Oh, if you, if this is the one thing you need to be successful and like, if you don't have this, then you'll never make it. But it's like after doing this for like more than a decade, I've seen so many people be successful in so many different ways that it, it really comes down to you, man. Like it's about, mm. and, and I think everybody listening will know this for themselves. Like, and, and this is the best thing you can do, by the way, like instead of trying to think that, oh, this is the thing that's going to make me successful. I think everybody who's serious, they, they know within themselves that if they have the belief and if they have the determination, they will be successful regardless of what fucking program they want to take. It's just a way that's going to help them get there faster. But ultimately, it, it comes down to you, right? So the, the question is, is simply like, do you think you'll reach your goals faster with or without our help? And, and that's as hard as I'm going to pitch this. I'll pitch it a bit harder. You need to buy this now. <laughs> <laughs> so the battery round is going to come in. And if you sign up in the next hour... You know, wait until the next podcast. We'll just unleash Frankie on you. <laughs> you haven't seen nothing yet, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So go to the memomen.com. Find out what Linus is chatting about if you want. But I think we'll just leave it there. Thanks, guys, so much. It's been an hour and 40 minutes. Hour longer than I intended. <laughs> yeah, I thought right. it was going to be like 30 minute chat, you know, but it's like so much fun. It was totally my fault, guys. I just kept going off on tangents and like, I'm sorry. I just can't. Sh yeah, it's all. I just can't take this fault. We can I'll take that. It. Yeah, it's your fault, Frankie, for sure, dude. Get off. Like, what are you even? Yeah. I feel like I did an okay job, man. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah, you did, you did, you did, you did okay. Okay, nice. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> guys, I love this. All right, guys, Zach, you got to get to Mexico. I'm going to, to Mexico, so we all have important things to do. Woo, okay, nice. guys. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Have a safe trip. All right. Bye. Guys. Have fun. Later. All right. See all you guys. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. Now, if you enjoyed this podcast, then you should do two things. One, subscribe as a regular listener. And then the second one, if you want to be really smart and actually make some money from this, go to memomen.com and get our daily memo sent to your inbox. It's absolutely free. And you can simply swipe those 325 words and use them in your own business. I'll see you on the inside.